0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And we are here to break down the Outback Bowl. We are going to rip this Band-Aid off uh, quickly. Talk about it because it has to be talked about. Uh, and all that stuff. We'll also look forward to next year, 2021. Uh, we'll talk about you know how the schedule sets up, what players are coming back. A handful of guys announced that they were coming back uh, for the 2021 season that were kind of on the fence. Uh, if you don't know, because of COVID uh, and all of the things that came with it, uh, Every player had a free year of eligibility. So that means if they choose to, they can come back. Now, I don't know exactly if they've announced the scholarship numbers, and I assume that they got rid of the limitations for a year. And we'll work out uh, the details at a later date. But some big names for IU are coming back. We'll talk about that. Uh, And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, try and get through this uh, and do it football therapy-wise. But uh, first, we have a word. From our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, football is in full effect and the NBA is back. And I'm actually watching the NBA now because the Knicks are four and three in January. Who would have thought that? Uh, you might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in, on, be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. Well, TJ, let's get down to the Outback Bowl. Indiana uh, loses twenty-six to twenty. It was uh, to Ole Miss. It was a very disappointing game, but I think uh, you know all our fears came true. Uh, you know, before the game, especially in our, our tech group text, a lot of people were nervous. And I think, you know, going into the game and looking at Old Miss's offense, it's a scary offense. Even without uh, you know, Ely, the running back and uh, your, the tight end, and then um, your top wide receiver, Elijah Moore, as well. They have some really good dudes. Their offensive line is very, very good. Matt Corral, is arguable at worst. He was the second worst, uh, second best quarterback that IU faced this year. I, and you could argue that he, he might be more talented than Justin Fields. He just doesn't have the guys that Ohio state has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was just, if you told me before the game that Indiana would hold Ole Miss's offense, 26 points, I would have said, yeah, IU wins. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it was a, a very disappointing performance. Um, You know, to me, I think IU raised the stakes a lot on themselves by saying that, you know, they didn't think they were treated right by, you know, the the big boys of the Big Ten uh, and that they were snubbed and they were snubbed out of the Citrus Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and then they made matters worse by – and it probably didn't affect the game. It just raised the stakes by putting, you know, the Outback Bowl logo over the Big Ten logo. Uh, it was uh, an extremely petty move. Um, you know, it made you feel real good for about 10 minutes. And then when you start to think about it, you go, that makes no sense. Um, it, it was not the smartest move to tick off the Big Ten, and IU will probably pay for that in the future. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that IU – gets mistreated by the big 10 and, and we've said it a lot but at the same time you, you cash that 50 million dollar check every year and, um you kind of have to earn it on the field and and that's what IU had a chance to do and they didn't do it so to me it's you know now it's you got to skulk back to uh back to the kids table a little bit and and uh you know, as I, I talked to Andy Graham after the game who used to write for the Herald Times and, you know, he used the phrase hungry and humble uh, is what IU has to be going into 2021. And I think that's right where Indiana football needs to live is hungry and humble. Uh, it's not, you know, accepting your place or knowing your place or things like that. It's realizing what you are. And, and I think Indiana does really well in that underdog Uh, type of role uh, rather than being a nine or 10 point favorite uh, against an sec team who really had some dudes i mean you look at that defense as well they had they just have fast athletes um and things like that so disappointing game there were some bright spots uh though tj charles campbell set an outback bowl record with a 52 yard field goal it also was the longest field goal in IU bowl history, beating Pete Styanovich, I, I believe, in the '88 Peach Bowl. Um, I guess I'll mention that Wap Failure is now the single-game receptions leader in IU history. He had 18 for 81 yards. Um, and, but we'll talk about Wap later on in the show as well. So that—that's my first initial thoughts of the Outback Bowl. What are your thoughts, TJ?
2: Uh, first thought was anger and second thought was attempting to digest what happened. Um, uh, you know, I, I thought that the offensive game plan was, uh, preposterous, brutal, brutal, stupid. Yeah. Pick your, pick your descriptor. Uh, it was bad. And just on a thousand foot level, um, just look at the statistics I mean Watt Fillier you say and the, I thought that the, the ABC commentary was awful uh, I, didn't, and I didn't watch them good for you their consistent phrasing <laughs> of how good Watt Fillier was during that game look he caught 18 passes terrific wonderful he had 81 yards that is the height of inefficiency. And I, I don't put this all on the shoulders of Watt Fillier. It's those are the plays being called. That's what he is being asked to do. Um, so I don't put that on on him 100% at all. Uh, you would certainly like to think that with 18 opportunities with the ball in your hands, you'd be able to do something more efficient than roughly four yards of reception uh but nonetheless that's what he did a long reception of 14 yards on 18 catches uh i thought that those were a number of wasted plays to put indiana behind schedule yeah. um on downs he also had a costly fumble yeah. um The the lack of distribution among the targets was incredibly frustrating for me, and I'm sure it is for the players as well. Uh, David Ellis only gets one reception, uh, and, of course, his went for 19 yards. I don't understand why Ellis does not get used more often. Uh, He had six touches on the day. He looks dangerous every time he has the ball, to me. Um, There's clearly something that the coaches don't trust there. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'd love to see him get more involved moving forward. Uh, I thought that Ty Freifogel was underused yet again. Uh, Miles Marshall underused. There's a number of guys that you know we could go on, but um, the the just most simple thing I can say is you had a injured quarterback. Jack Tuttle clearly was hurting. Had he clearly lost velocity on the ball, uh, there was, it was obvious. Um, and you chose to continue to try to throw the ball despite the running game being effective. Was it, you know, nine yards a carry? No. But they were moving the ball consistently when they handed it off to Stevie Scott. That There's was probably- working.
1: It was probably their best running performance of the year. You know, that in Wisconsin and maybe the end of the Michigan game.
2: Yes. Yep. 168 yards on 40 carries. Uh, Now, Tuttle accounts for nine of those and only gets 26 yards. So you take that out. Scott with 99 yards. David Ellis with 16. Tim Baldwin again. Another guy that I don't know why he didn't get some more touches. Uh, he had 17 yards on only three carries. Um, I, I, I'm just, I was incredibly frustrated by that. And you're right. You give up 26 points to Ole Miss Well, the yardage looked bad. Uh, and I will 100%, you know, admit this as big of a fan of the defense as I am uh, and continue to be, they did not look prepared for the tempo that Ole Miss brought to that contest, which... That's how they play. It wasn't a surprise. And I'm sure that IU wasn't surprised by it either. But they didn't look prepared for that tempo. It took them a while to adjust to that. They did adjust to it. Uh, had a much better second half than they did a first half on the defensive side of things. Uh, and and really were fortunate to, to still be alive after the first half, which was just a complete abomination. Um, but, you know, Matt Corral is... Very talented. The only real negative for the defense, I think, would be the last drive you gave up when your team had come back to tie that contest. That one stings because you you felt like you had momentum and you had them on the ropes and were unable to do anything about it. And then you didn't get any takeaways, which Indiana has really feasted on uh, throughout the season. So that was frustrating for the defense. But ultimately you only gave up 26 points. That should be enough to win um against Ole Miss you know I predicted 24 for Ole Miss so it really wasn't much different than what I thought it would be for Indiana going up against that offense um that's what Lane Kiffin teams do they score lots of points and they put up lots of yards what Indiana was unable to do was answer that against a really bad defense and 20 points is just nowhere close to good enough against Ole Miss and I just got to ask some serious questions about the offensive line, as they continue to have a hard time consistently blocking the running game, but more importantly, giving up quarterback hits. Uh, and I, I think that some questions need to be asked of, you know, how Darren Hiller is, is, uh, you know, progressing the offensive lineman, uh, and which recruits they're bringing in. I mean, it, it, on paper, the unit looks talented enough to be better than what they are. I do not think that they are, or this season, I don't think they played up to, uh, the individual level of players that they have on the field. Uh, and part of that is due to Caleb Jones, not being in shape after COVID. Um, that's understandable and that hurt for sure. Part of that is just, uh, you know, they they've had to shuffle that line a lot due to injuries, due to COVID, and due to performance. So they've had to shuffle that a lot, so there's a lack of cohesion. But ultimately, you are responsible as the offensive line coach for that unit. And I think there's a question that has to be asked there. Then they have to ask questions of Nick Sheridan. Um, It wasn't a good game plan. It made no sense whatsoever, particularly once Jack Tuttle was clearly hindered in his ability to throw the ball down the field and to keep doing those short, Passes to WAP failure that were consistently going absolutely nowhere made no sense. Uh, and it, it was um, a really, really frustrating, disappointing ending uh, to an otherwise really fun season.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, it was confirmed that Jack Tuttle was playing, I think, most of the game, uh, you know, the majority of the game with a separated shoulder. He got hurt. I believe in the second quarter, he doesn't remember. I like yeah. said it was early on, uh, but it was the majority. It was over fifty percent of the game, and which leads yeah. you to two questions: um, Where was De- is Dexter Williams not ready to play yet after spending a year, you know, in the program, albeit a truncated year? But was he could he not have spelled Jack Tuttle for a little bit? Um, and then, two, like you said, if, you're, if your quarterback has a, a separated throwing shoulder, why aren't you running the ball more?
2: Um, you have to adjust. You have to adjust during the game. Yeah,
1: and look, and I, I have been on Nick Sheridan's side for most of the year. I thought he was brilliant. He called a brilliant game against Michigan. Um, I thought, you know – Switching to in the second half, passing uh, the passing attack against Ohio State uh, was a smart move, uh, and, and the offense was you know were there things that could be improved, yes, but I thought it was they were doing okay, and and you know the, the offensive line needed to be much better, but in the bowl game, I mean. They just—I don't know if it was a, a lack of preparation uh, because they had been paused. Uh, if it was rust uh, from that as well, if they weren't in shape because you know conditioning. Look, you know, it, it could be an excuse, but you know, anytime you're a, an elite athlete, and if you're playing Big Ten football, you're you're probably an elite athlete. Anytime your conditioning gets interrupted for a week or two, it it's going to take its toll. And it showed when it was 75 degrees in humid in, in Florida. Uh, but it, at the same time, you, you have to look at Nick, if you're Tom Allen, I think you have to look at Nick Sheridan and say, look, our window is, it's not going to be open forever. You, you, you might, ha- you have 2021, 2022, and maybe if you're recruiting well, 2023 and beyond. But you got to look at that and say, how how much of the growing pains are we going to have to put up with with Sheridan to get back? And we got spoiled with with Kalen DeBoer last year. He was, you know, an offensive wizard calling plays. But how it, you, do you sacrifice going through the growing pains? And, and put your window of success in jeopardy because now you're looking at Indiana's been to two bowl games in a row. Yeah, they were both the heartbreaking losses, but now you could stack them and, and you could legitimately get to four bowl games in a row if you look at the 2022. But then all these guys who were once young and now upperclassmen leave, you have to, you know, you, you don't want to blow your window of opportunity because you're, you're riding that guy too wrong. It's it's like, you know, keeping a pitcher in when you know his stuff isn't great, but you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and he gives up a three-run homer and, you know, too bad, so sad, game over. Um, and who knows if Indiana takes steps back, all that goodwill all the last two years, it it goes away pretty quickly. Um, you know, there's Indiana's done a nice job of building up goodwill with the fans. Um, you know, I thought Alan blew some of that PR goodwill with, with, with the patch gate uh, and things like that, but it's back-to-back winning seasons. You've beaten Michigan, you beat Penn state, you have beat Michigan state. Um, you probably beat Purdue this year. So all those things go in the bucket of, of, of goodwill. And, if you come back and say you go five and seven, that's or six and six with one of your better teams, yeah, the schedule's difficult. But if it's because of your offense, it, it looks really bad. And you go down, and you kind of look at it the way that Bill Mallory's tenure went at IU at, at the end was, you know, he refused to to make a change and, and update the offense and, and things like that. But you know, credit Allen, he made a great hire in Kalen DeBoer. And so you trusted him to do the same thing with Sheridan. And, and yeah, he probably needs one more year and, and will benefit from hopefully having a full spring practice and a full fall camp. And, you know, some, you just hope Michael Panix comes back healthy and, you know, Jack Tuttle's good to go for spring practice and can take first team reps and, and things like that. So it's, it's a question that has to be on the front of Alan's mind is how how long do you go with Sheridan and Hiller before you realize, hey, they're, they might make our window close even faster? But, you know, it, that's all could be a reaction from this game, too. Um, but you're right, TJ. It was just not a well-called game. They didn't look prepared. They didn't look prepared on defense, which could be the case because Kane Womack took a head coaching job at South Alabama, and – you know, maybe if you're Tom Allen, you say your next defensive coordinator, look, I don't mind if you leave for another head coaching job, but either do it after the season ends or go your separate way because it, it did not work on Saturday. They it, Ole Miss said that they knew everything that was coming and, and give Lane Kiffin credit. He's a brilliant offensive mind, but you yeah. look tentative. They didn't look like they were the attacking defense that they had all year. They didn't create the takeaway opportunities that they did. I mean, the best takeaway opportunity they had was a fumble caused by the offense after an interception. That was the only time, you know, outside of a Reese Taylor jump pass, uh, you know, jumping of a, a passing route. Those are the two best, you know, takeaway opportunities and, and they couldn't get it done.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I, and you said you know maybe these are reactionary takes if you will um the nick sheridan one i think you could make an argument that look uh and you mentioned a lot of the things that are in his favor there are Uh, a lot of
1: people who are waiting to say i told you so about nick sheridan oh yeah i'll tell you
2: that yeah 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 yeah. but i i think that there's more of a of more of an argument to, to make in favor of Nick Sheridan than there is in favor of Darren Hiller. He's been on the job longer. Uh, and I don't think it's being reactionary to say that the results for the offensive line under Darren Hiller, despite the team's success, the results of the offensive line have been underwhelming during Darren Hiller's time. And I don't think that it's reactionary to one game. I think it is Properly looking at the bigger picture to see that it is a problem, uh, that unit in particular is a, a problematic spot uh, under Darren Hiller. So I, I I think that the Nick Sheridan one, you could say it's being reactionary, you know, if you wanted to be really uh, pro-Sheridan, which, look, I, I don't think we're trying to be pro-Sheridan, anti-Sheridan. We are trying to be, you know evaluating what we think Indiana needs to do to be successful as a program. Uh, And, you know, I think that it's fair to question whether or not Nick Sheridan is the right guy to call plays and lead the offense. I do think it's also very likely that he returns. I'd be shocked if a move was made there. Um, particularly with defensive coordinator already being replaced, Um, not as a result of performance in a negative way, but that's you already have to make that move because Womack has left. And I think that Tom Allen would prefer to have some continuity there uh, among the coordinators. So I think Sheridan's going to stay. Darren Hiller, I I think that one's 50-50. I really do. Uh, and I think that it's totally fair if, you know, if that move is made, I'm not rooting for anything to happen. Um, you know, these are, these are men that have families that, you know, this is their their livelihood, their job. I'm not rooting for anybody to get fired. It's just an honest conversation about, uh, you know, what we think Indiana needs to do to progress as a program, um and you look towards next year, which is all we can do at this point. Uh, you know, Harry Kreider on the offensive line, a guy that has a decision to make about what he wants to do. Um, you know, we think it is very possible that Matt Bedford uh, slides inside to guard, Caleb Jones, Luke Haggard, return as your tackles. Uh, you know, some of this is on the players too. And I use offensive linemen, uh, they've got to step up. Um, there's some guys that have been on campus now heading in the next season for a couple of years, uh, or at least for one full season, that really need to start, you know, progressing as players. And that's going to be one of the big things that determines whether or not the Hoosiers are able to, you know, have the type of year next season that we think they can. Is how those particular players are able to either improve or if they stagnate uh, and the offensive line is again a problem, then the schedule is going to be tough for Indiana to navigate. Yeah. So
1: before we get into next year, we have another word from our, our buddies over at Bet Online. Um, they do great work over there. Uh, Bet Online football is in full effect. The NBA is back. Hockey is coming back in a couple weeks. Uh, you might not be able to game, uh, attend a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head over to Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your sports book. Experts. Well, TJ, let's turn the page on the 2021 Outback Bowl and look forward to the 2021 college football season. Uh, I believe three or four players, um, four players from Indiana today announced that they were coming back uh, in Michael Ziemba, uh, Raheem Lane, Cam Taylor and Marcelino Ball. I think all of those guys factor into the rotation uh, next year especially Marcelino and Raheem Lane. Uh, Marcelino, you know, you say what you want about his production. He was a freshman All-American. He is super athletic. And as we said in our text thread, TJ, if you're having a biceps championship, he's probably going to win. He's your first off the bus on on road games or home games uh, and things like that. But he's a very productive player. He knows the game well. He's a leader on defense, and this will be his sixth year in the program. Uh, so he can only help, Um, and I think it
2: it gives you some flexibility with, you know, DK Bonham played a lot at that position uh, last year, as did uh, Brian Fitzgerald, so it it gives you some flexibility, some additional depth uh, with the very experienced players, so it's not just, oh, here's what Marcelino is, it's what his presence allows you to do with other players uh, in that position grouping, you know, you you have some more flexibility with how you're going to line up. Yeah,
1: and the same goes with Raheem Lane. Raheem Lane was uh, out for the year as well with an injury. He was Indiana's 2019 Special Teams Player of the Year, uh, which, you know, if you look at the Outback Bowl, the uh, I think there are 44. Or maybe 54 return yards on uh, that old miss had that gave him improved field position uh, on kickoffs and punt returns and, and things like that. That goes a long way too. Raheem Lane could also um, add depth in the secondary and at the, one of the safety positions and things like that. So, you know, he's another experienced player, like you said, TJ, who can, you know, if you put him in, then you could move some other pieces around give some other guys a, a, a break and it's veteran depth it's not like relying on a freshman coming in and, and just hoping that they um, that they play well uh, cam Taylor is a he was a grad transfer tight end out of South Alabama he did not play this year he said for unforeseen reasons um, but we don't know what those are I thought that was one of the bigger losses of the year uh, he's a he's like six, five, 265, he's almost the sixth offensive lineman. I think that really, really would have helped the offensive line, the running game, uh, and keeping quarterbacks healthy. And it was a shame we didn't get to see him this year, but he'll be back. And it, it'll—it's the same thing. It's another position of depth you have. We'll see what Peyton Hendershot decides to do. I think he should come back. Um, but yeah, Matt Bjorson and AJ Barner will be another year older. Uh, and you, they just add some depth. And you could put those guys out out wide a little bit um, and, and use some different formations. Cam Taylor, you could line up as a fullback as well. Uh, in some positions, instead of putting flop failure at fullback like they did on Saturday. But, you know, it's just another big, strong guy um, who could enhance that offensive line play. And then you have Michael Ziemba, Uh, senior, uh, has played a lot of football for IU, has been productive in the past, wasn't all that productive this year with just 11 tackles, but he adds veteran depth to a defensive line at a position where Indiana needs a playmaker. Uh, What are your thoughts um, outside of Marcelino Ball? What are your your other thoughts on the players returning?
2: Uh, Raheem Lane, like you mentioned, I don't expect much in terms of him playing in the secondary a whole lot. That's a loaded position group that's only getting you know, better. Um, uh, Michael Zimba uh, I think is a really nice piece to have back on the defensive line. You can't have enough quality players there, so it's good to have him back. Uh, the ones that you're still kind of waiting on, um, you know, try, Ty Freifogel and Watt Fillier in the receiving room, we, we do expect you know, tie to, to come back, um, maybe, you know, try and put together another really impressive season and maybe show some more, uh, top end speed or, or separation speed, which so far he has not been able to really show, uh, which I think will be a question for NFL teams for sure. Um, and then I think that the biggest one on the defense is Jerome Johnson, whether or not he's going to return. It'd be huge if he did, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't see him returning. I'd be surprised if he came back, but still, we haven't heard one way or the other. So that's one to wait on. Of the guys that we know about, uh, I think Marcelino Ball and Michael Zimba will both you know, be really impactful. And then, yeah, we we don't know what to expect uh, from the additional tight end, Cam Taylor. Um, certainly, it's not going to hurt having another good blocker up front uh that won't hurt at all as we discussed earlier Uh, this team needs to find a creative ways to successfully block the run and the pass Uh, and maybe that's a piece that'll be really helpful in that
1: yeah and then you have a couple guys leaving via the transfer portal in uh, defensive lineman Tremar reese uh this was probably coming for a while he did play more than expected this year uh, but
3: yeah.
1: he was always a guy who you think would probably move on from Indiana and go seek more playing time elsewhere. And then uh, you have reserve kicker Jack Cardillo, Cardillo, um leaving via the transfer portal as well, uh, which shouldn't be an issue um, with Charles Campbell coming back. Uh, Cause he, I think he's going to be primed for a, maybe an All-American season, definitely a first-team All-Big Ten and Big Ten Kicker of the Year season, uh, but definitely I, I think he can make a run at All-American in, in the Lou Groza Award. Uh, another guy sticking with special teams, uh, two guys you want to see come back, uh, Hayden Whitehead and Jared Smolar. Whitehead was terrific this year. He was terrific in the bowl game and just – you have James Evans coming in from pro kick Australia as well, but having a, you know, a year where he Evans could learn behind uh, behind Whitehead and, and things like that would be beneficial. And then you have smoller has been the, the kickoff specialist the last, you know, three years and, and losing that that's a piece that you have to replace. And I, Tom Allen does not like to use his field goal kickers as kickoff guys. We know that Charles Campbell is a strong enough leg, but playing in the big 10 and with weather and things that happen later in the season and just fatigue, you want to save his leg uh, a little bit so that you have, you know, a fresh kicker for, for big games late, late in the year as well. So um those are another two to, to keep an eye on it as well for the transfer portal. Uh, TJ, anything else before we put a bow on, on 2020 and anything else you want to, you're, you want fans to look forward to in 2021?
2: Well, the, the primary thing to look forward to is for me, at least is just uh, memory of how fun this season was. I know that the, the Outback Bowl is is kind of that going to be the you know last memory that you have from this season, and that's certainly understandable. And I, I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel, um, but I, I do hope that people remember, you know, a lot of the positive things that this program accomplished in this past season, uh, and all the guys that are coming back hopefully hungry to you know, continue that progression. Um, in my opinion, this is a program that's not going away. Um, I feel confident that under Tom Allen, Indiana football is, is going to continue to to build. Um, what's that going to look like record-wise in 2021? Uh, you know, what's a success and all that is is up for each person to, to consider. Um, but I, I I just think it's important to try and remember how much fun this se- this team was for large portions of this past season. Uh, so I, I, you know, I know it was a very difficult year for the coaches and players to get through. Uh, so any that are listening, I, I would like to say thank you for giving us a lot of entertainment, um, you know, and enjoyment over the past few months. I, I it's been a, a very difficult 2020 for everybody. And, uh, you know, the program had to jump through additional hurdles. All the players had to, you know, take a lot of things that they would have preferred to do. And they weren't able to do them because they had to do everything they could to make sure that they could be on the field. Um, the coaches, same thing. A lot of sacrifices had to make just to be able to play. Um, and then I, I want to thank the, you know, our, our listeners and our readers for following along with us. We had a great year as a site, and hopefully we can, you know, keep doing the same in 21.
1: Yeah, and it's hopefully all this stuff is over by by the fall. Uh, we'll see, um, but you know, it's we're lucky to get a season in, and IU played eight games. They won six of them, and it was. Some of them were awesome games. Some of them were heartbreaking games, but that's uh, the nature of the beast. And, you know, two, two winning seasons in a row for, for Indiana, it's, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction. We'll see what happens with 2021, uh, whether or not they're going to have to redo schedules. Um, there's an article on The Athletic about that. Um, you know, if the Big Ten looks at, you know, going back to eight games – and, and things like that. So we'll see. Um, 2021 can't the season. It's 211 days away. I know people need a break from IU football a little bit, uh, just to digest, but we'll always be here for your Indiana football news. We appreciate our readers and, and listeners as well. Uh, I got to meet some of them down at, at the bowl game. Um, you know, when I, when I was picking up dinner, uh, some fantastic people um so thank you for joining us we'll have all your news at hoosierhuddle.com you can follow us on twitter at hoosier underscore huddle uh, and subscribe to the podcast on on wherever you subscribe to podcasts on whether it's apple Podcasts, spotify um and, and things like that and i do want to shout out our, our partners over at armchair sports for for help sponsoring the podcast as well tj thank you and thank you to all our writers evan amanda uh, Juliet, Nate, um, Andrew, uh, Alex Compton, who, who did a lot of our graphics, and I'm missing one. Um, oh, no. Uh, crap. Um, missing one of them, uh, but they did a fantastic work this year, and... Um, you know, I I appreciate all you guys' hard work as well, and I know that our, our readers and listeners do as well. So here's to uh, 2021, and we'll take you through the off season. TJ, as always, thank you for joining me, and we'll we'll uh, spice up the broadcast, the uh, the podcast this this off season and talk about some big ticket items.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're not going anywhere. The frequency of the show will. Uh, certainly lessen a little bit during the off season. You don't need to hear us, you know, ranting about everything out there, but we'll find some good topics. And before we know it, we'll be previewing the 2021 season, which on paper appears to be one of the more talented Indiana teams that, uh, that there's ever been. Again, I say that on paper. As we know, there's a lot that goes into it besides just, uh, you know, what you have on your roster. So a lot to look forward to. We'll be here for
3: it.
1: All right, thank you, TJ. Thank you all for listening. Uh, And we've put the 2020 season to bed. Uh, Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back uh, when topics dictate.
4: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
1: Grill,
0: patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
4: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match.